Hi, welcome to episode 524 of the Fantastic Forecast. I'm Dave Elliott, and I hold these truths to be self-evident, that all men are created equal, that they are endowed by their creator with certain unalienable rights, that among those are life, liberty, and the pursuit of happiness. And in the absence of having a life, or liberty, or happiness, I'm also permitted to host this podcast. Today, it's Fantastic Four 524 from May 2005. Tag by Mark Wade and Mike Weiringo. And this is it. The end of the road. The final issue of the Mark Wade, Mike Weiringo run. And we pick up where our cliffhanger left off last issue with the powers of the Fantastic Four having been transferred to other people, random strangers in New York City. And we quickly learn it's not just four random strangers, it's a bunch of random strangers. Last issue, a boxer got Mr. Fantastic's uh, stretchy powers, but here we see a guy trying to catch a city bus, running after it, and he reaches out, and his arm stretches out, and he grabs the door. Back at Fantastic Four headquarters, the FF are on the case, with a scanner. They have a scanner for everything, don't they? And when the guy uses his stretchy powers to grab the bus, the FF can track him to Broadway between 35th and 36th Street. So they rush off to find him. The guy's arm gets caught in the bus door, and the bus screeches to a stop just as the FF arrive. Holy crap, that was fast. Did the FF gain the powers of super speed when they lost their other powers? It can only have been a few seconds. Even if their headquarters is located on Broadway between 35th and 36th Street, it would take them a minute or two to get on their speeder bikes and get down there. And that's a weird thing to introduce in their final issue. Each member of the FF have their own personal speeder bike. You know, like a flying Star Wars type jet cycle bike thing. Reed touches the guy with a special glove on his hand, and he takes the guy's powers away, and he falls off the bus and he lands on the hard ground. What a dick move on Reed's part. Couldn't he have just waited a minute or two for the guy to get off the side of the bus before he took his powers away? Reed tests his powers by stretching out and stopping the bus. It seems kind of fast that they presented this interesting cliffhanger last issue, but by page two of the next issue, Reed already has a solution. Reed goes on to say that only their bodies, which have been conditioned by cosmic rays, can handle the FF powers. The ordinary citizens can't handle them, so they have to take them back. Likely story. Does he really have to come up with an excuse? He could just want the powers back. There's no shame in that. Nearby, a policeman gets out of his car, and he catches on fire, and he freaks out. But the FF arrives seconds later, telling him not to panic. It's not as bad as it looks, they say. Well, that's easy for them to say, because to the policeman, it looks pretty bad. Nearby, another guy has broken out with the powers of the thing, and he's destroyed a FedEx truck. So Ben sees this, and he knows he has to take those powers right back because you can't have some orange rock monster running around the city destroying random vehicles unless it's Ben Grimm himself. Ben approaches the other rock monster while Johnny tries touching the other human torch, but he fails. That's going to be a tough one to handle until the flames shut off. It seems like the powers are traveling from one person to the other, so maybe only four people are infected at the same time, so I don't think we'll be seeing none thing again, much to my disappointment. The other thing is freaking out, crashing a wall, and Ben is almost buried alive and crushed. 
but Reed, with his powers back now, leaps in and saves him, while the other thing proceeds to wreck more cars. When Reed asks uh, Ben if he touched the other rock monster with his gauntlet, Ben says he reached and he missed, and it doesn't look like Reed quite believes him. So let me get this straight. Reed has come up with an invention that can transfer Ben's powers to someone else, but he can't come up with an invention that will just straight up take away Ben's powers. Does that sound believable to you? Because it doesn't to me. Reed stretches out and he grabs the other thing, but before Ben can go over and touch him with his glove, the powers zap up out of the young man's body and, retur and he returns to his normal self, only with tattered clothes. Ben sees Johnny and asks how he did, and he failed too, saying, which makes us one for three. With that record, we could be the Tampa Bay Devil Rays. What? Uh, come on. A 2005 Tampa Bay Devil Rays reference? Can you get any more dated than that? Is anyone living outside of the Tampa Bay area even going to know what that means? Were they a notoriously bad team? I don't know. I don't follow basketball. So Ben starts to criticize Reed, first for that crazy rocket, tri rocket trip in the first place, and two, for screwing up here and spreading their powers all over the city. Sue comes in and tells Ben to calm down. Reed will handle this, and adds that Reed has nothing to be sorry for. Yeah. Sue, on the other hand, she was the one who insisted they had to beat the commies into space, and even called Ben a coward for not wanting to go. So, if you're going to blame anybody, blame her. They get a call from Johnny on the communicator, and he says he's found another person with powers, and tells Sue to come with her wallet. Why? She asks. There's a two-drink minimum, Johnny replies. Because Johnny is at a strip club called The Doll's House. What a, what a very original name. Where did they come up with that? By the way, if there's an invisible stripper, I don't think she's making very much money. So inside the strip club, how did Johnny find her of all places in a strip club? Okay, that's a dumb question. So the music is playing. Boom, chicka, boom, 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 chicka, boom, whatever. I wonder if the DJ looks anything like Stan Lee, by the way. And on stage, the invisible stripper, wearing nothing but a G-string, stuffed with cash. How does that work? People are paying for an invisible stripper? Or I guess she turned invisible while her panties were already stuffed with cash. Someone pours water on Johnny's head when he tries to touch the stripper, who's freaking out over being invisible. Sue gets on stage to go touch the stripper, while Ben of course, has to make a comment that he wishes he was the one getting to grope the naked lady. Oh, sure you do, Ben. Sure you do. But Sue doesn't get to her fast enough. The powers zap up out of her, and the stripper is visible again. Prestices are bared to everyone in the bar, which at this point is only the four of them, since the other patrons got bored and left when the stripper turned invisible. So Ben, Sue, and uh, Reed turn to leave. Johnny tries to stay behind, but Ben yanks him out as well. Five minutes later, Johnny finds a doctor with the Human Torch powers, but he fails to touch him in time. Ten minutes later, there's some guy on a construction site, but Johnny isn't there in time either. And 15 minutes later, he finds a horse with the Human Torch powers. I guess we have to call it the, the Horse Torch powers. And this time, Johnny reaches the horse and takes back his powers. And Johnny seems relieved after quite some time to have his original Human Torch powers back. Not the original Human Torch, but the original powers of being the Human Torch, if you know what I mean. He joins the rest of the Fantastic Four at an outdoor cafe 
where a waitress has the invisible woman powers. And she's freaking out, creating a force field that keeps everyone back. Sue tries to calm her down and get her to drop the force field. She continues to talk to her calmly and warmly for a bit until the waitress drops the field, Sue touches her, and gets her powers back. And that only leaves one person left, Ben Grimm, who doesn't really want his powers back. But he should have thought of that before he willingly took his powers back, the previous several times when he lost his powers. Reed tells the others to continue the search, and he says to Ben, On the other hand, Ben should go away and check on the children so he can stop holding us back. Ben is like, Huh? You heard me. Get out of my sight, Reed replies. He goes on to accuse Ben of missing that last rock monster on purpose and putting lives in danger of being irresponsible. Ben leaves in a huff, gets on his jet cycle and flies off. And then Reed reveals he was just lying to Ben. The gauntlet that Ben is wearing doesn't even work. And his getting angry at Ben was just a ruse. What a terrible way to treat your best friend. Reed tells the others that instead of taking Ben's powers and putting them back in Ben's body, Reed plans to take Ben's powers as well, so Ben can be cured at last. Sue's like, Reed, I love you, Pana. Reed says the accident was his fault, and he's going to make it up to Ben by doing this. Surprisingly, Sue doesn't put up much of an argument. She could point out that Ben has been cured of being the thing several times, and each time, he willingly chose to go back to being the thing. So at this point, I don't think Reed should consider it his fault or anybody's fault other than Ben's own. Reed looks at his glove and he says, Oh no, he's got the wrong glove. Johnny tracks down Ben a few minutes later and Ben has taken Reed's glove that works and he's tracked down the thing powers. He zips down to the subway entrance on his jet cycle and the re as the rest of the FF chase after him. You know, just flying his jet cycle around the subway station, Ben truly is putting so many lives in danger. Someone could step out from behind a corner and smack, they're dead. Ben explains that when he touched that rock monster earlier, the glove didn't work, so he knew something was going on. He flies down into the subway tunnel just as a train is coming. Ben calls Reed a selfish jackass for wanting to take Ben's thing powers too. You know, at least if he has those powers, he can lift up his own inventions instead of using Ben like his own personal slave. Reed says, that's out of line, and asks Ben what he did that he considered selfish. Ben basically says that if Reed is in a rock monster body, he won't be able to do as many scientific experiments and make inventions like he used to do, thus depriving the world of his discoveries. Actually, that might be a good thing. How many Reed discoveries have put the world in danger? A lot. How many of his discoveries have made the world a better place? Not many. Ben speeds off down the subway tunnel, catches up to the civilian with the thing powers. Before Reed can stop him, Ben touches the rock monster and takes back its powers, and he returns to being the thing again. The bearded man, in the tattered clothes who was the thing, looks confused at what just happened. He asks Ben if he's in trouble. Ben says, he was just temporarily insane and suggests they go get some fresh clothes and a warm meal. So the FF get back home and Franklin and Valeria rush out to greet them, with Franklin asking, Did you bring me any superpowers? Oh kid, you have superpowers, only nobody really knows what they are. Sue tells Valeria that Uncle Ben did something very brave today, and Valeria gives him a kiss on the cheek. But it's like a very weird 
open mouth kiss on the cheek of a rock monster, which is very creepy looking. Next, an alarm goes off. Reed says that means there's trouble in the microverse. Ben asks, we have an alarm for that? And I ask, they have an alarm for that? Sue says they have an alarm for everything. I bet they even have an alarm for when Johnny whacks off alone in the bathroom. So the four of them head down to the hangar while they discuss how tiring this life of being an adventurer slash imaginot can be. But they all really seem to love this life, and the issue ends with Reed saying, I've learned over the course of our careers is that working alongside good partners makes all the difference. As long as you're with friends, there's no limit to the adventure out there. And that is the end of issue 524, and the ever-loving end of the Wade Where Ringo run. Now, I've read most of the other runs after this, except for the Straczynski run, and this feels like the last classic Fantastic Four run. The last team that really understood the Fantastic Four and handled them in a way consistent with their Lee Kirby beginnings. I feel like all the characters were handled well. The focus remained on the family and their adventures were mostly fun and lighthearted. Even the death of even the death of the thing was kind of a fun, silly bit of business. The only real seriousness in the entire run was the stuff with Franklin being traumatized by his time in hell. And considering the crap that Franklin has gone through, it was an interesting choice to delve into his troubled psyche. Also, at this point, Valeria still not annoying. I guess she doesn't become an annoying brat until the Mark Millar run, I don't think. And considering how awful he is most of the time, that makes sense. Now, this has been the first time I've read these last five issues of the Wade Wieringo run, and I thought he ended. they ended on a very high note. The Johnny as a Herald of Galactus was a pretty great idea. And of course, anytime you use Galactus, it's pretty good. But this was a really great use of Galactus. It may have been my favorite story of the entire run. The last issue seemed kind of rushed. They could have gotten more out of the idea of all these other people running around with the Fantastic Four's powers. It would have been interesting to do a storyline where a group of civilians who got the FF's powers meet up and decide to take take the place of the Fantastic Four themselves. The issue makes a nice uh, capper to the run, returning things to the status quo and reaffirming the team's commitment to the team and one another. A uh, quick comment on the artwork, Mike Wieringo. He was one of those guys that when he was alive, I was never a big fan of his, but having recently reread his work here on the FF, and I've recently gone back and I've read some of, the, uh, some of his Spider-Man stuff, I think he was a really great artist. An excellent storyteller, nice, clean, dynamic artwork, never too cluttered with unnecessary extra lines. It's super depressing that he passed away at the early age of 44. That's a younger than I am now. And I also just looked him up and noticed that he lived near me in the Raleigh-Durham area. I don't think there's many other comic book creators in North Carolina that I know of. And of course, what can you say about Mark Wade, always a consistent writer, here on the FF, Daredevil, Flash, Captain America. He's a guy who understands how to write comics, how to write good dialogue, how to pace an issue, how to set the right tone. And I've really enjoyed reading these issues, and of course, I recommend them to any FF fan if they haven't read them already. If there's like a Mount Rushmore of Fantastic Four runs, I think this would be up there with uh, Stan Lee and Jack Kirby, John Byrne, and Walt Simonson as the four best, in my opinion. Unless Straczynski uh, blows me out of the water and surprises me, 
And considering how much I loathe J. Michael Straczynski, I'm not expecting that to happen. I'm kind of hoping the issues are, like, as awful as I think they will be, because it's been so long since I've gotten a chance to really rip apart and mock the Fantastic Four comic. Bad comics are kind of fun when you're doing a podcast. But before we get to that, we have two fill-in issues to cover in the next couple of episodes. So that's all I have for now. If you have any questions about the Fantastic Four, about this podcast, or if you need relationship advice, you can email me at podcastff at gmail.com. Follow me on Twitter, Dave Elliott at podcastff, and you can download other episodes of iTunes and find them all at www.podcastff.podbean.com. So long, kids. This podcast is over. I'm made of atoms. You're made of atoms. And we're all in this together. And long division just doesn't matter. Cause we're all in this together.